Welcome to Stories of Faith and Hope, the podcast that inspires your faith and gives you reason to hope. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. Well, we are on our final episode of season two. And my, what a season it's been. I was just looking back at some of the episodes that we've had this season. I mean, we started with Courtney Hurst and her talking about how to redefine strength, talking about her um, her audio training that she uh, that she launched um, shortly after the, uh, the the time that we launched season two. Um, we had my dad on here. We had Tim Rosenberg talking about Islam and Christianity. We had Sarah McDougal did a two-part series for us. Um, we had uh, Mike Tucker talking about uh, marriage. We had Dr. Jack Blanco telling his incredible story about um, surviving a Nazi prison camp. Um, we had Roger Naranjo. Uh, we had Lucas Miles. Um, Chelsea and I, we had Brian Banyos. We had a continuation of our Daniel series. And it's also been kind of a difficult season. We uh, lost our co-host, Dr. Norman Henderson. We had a couple episodes that were talking about him and and tribute of him and to him. Um, But we're on to our last episode of season two, and uh, it's going to be no less amazing than the rest of the season. And it is with a friend, colleague, uh, fellow pastor, Pastor John Rimatera. So I hope you enjoy our last episode for this season, my conversation with Pastor John. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jill. It's nice to be on. So you are, as I mentioned, a pastor. Um, Where are you currently serving? I am currently serving in the Lake Cumberland District, and that is in Kentucky, and I am serving the Danville, Somerset, and Grove churches. Okay. So, I, as our listeners know, we like to uh, to go back to the very beginning and, and kind of delve into who you are and, and kind of your story. Um, so, tell us a little bit about where you were born, um, what what kind of family you were brought up in, things like that. Sure. And, you know, usually when somebody asks me where I'm from, I always respond, that's a very layered question, because <laughs> uh, I was born in Agana Heights, Guam. Not many people know where that is, but it's a small island in the South Pacific. And uh, my family, my, I came from a Navy family, so we moved around quite a bit, um, but we settled in Orlando, Florida, and that's what I remember growing up. And uh, I, I went through uh, Southern Adventist University for my bachelor's, went to Andrews University in Michigan for my master's, and now I am here in the Kentucky-Tennessee Conference, just served in Nashville, and now I am in Kentucky. <laughs> so when you were... what? Well, what made you want to become a pastor? Was that kind of a lifelong dream, or what What was the turning point in your life there? Yeah, you know, I get this question a lot, and I, I'd like <laughs> to say that um, yeah, I don't think anyone really is born wanting to become a pastor. I certainly didn't. Uh, it never was something that I had envisioned for my life, um, but I did grow up uh, in the Adventist church, and um, a lot of people uh, throughout my young life, and as I got older, would plant those seeds. So I blame a lot of people for this. <laughs> they would say, hey, John, I think you'd be a really good pastor. And I was like, no. Uh, it was my life's goal to become a doctor. And that's what I had originally had gone to college. I was a bio pre-med major. Um, but long story short, uh, God had placed a conviction in my heart that um, to pursue pastoral ministry and uh, it wasn't until my third year 
in college that God finally got through to me. Um, I took the proverbial leap of faith and I changed my major, went to Southern and eventually Andrews to become a pastor. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so how was the response from your family? Oh, so yeah, I know earlier you asked me what kind of family I grew up in. I grew up in a, a Filipino family. Um, my parents are both from, uh, Bicol, Philippines. Uh, and, um, it was where growing up, uh, my dad always told me, you know, John, when you grow up, you're going to be a doctor. So when you're a kid, you don't really <laughs> know what you want to do. So you kind of just latch on to, you know, whatever your parents tell you, because, mm-hmm. you know, you just want to play and, and do your thing. But, um, that really wasn't my, my dream or, or my conviction. It was just something that I was expected to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a Filipino culture and in a lot of cultures, uh, you really place a lot of emphasis uh, on respect uh, to your parents, and uh, that was my my dad's goal, my dad's dream. My mom was always uh, telling me, you know, just pursue whatever it is that you're passionate about. But of course, dad kind of overruled that. So, <laughs> as the obedient son, I went uh, and uh, attempted to go to uh, med school. But uh, when God finally went through and, and convicted me to go into pastoral work, um, I remember having a conversation with him. One day I was like, Dad, you know, I, I know that this was your dream for me to become a doctor, but uh, I feel convicted to become a pastor. And um, he was quiet. And I was just like, oh, no, here it comes. And uh, he, he was like, you mu- are, are you stupid? I kid you <laughs> know, that was my dad's reaction. Are you stupid? Like, why would you, why on earth do you want to become a pastor? They don't get paid enough, which it's, it's true, but, <laughs> but it's not about the money. It's not about the money. Um, and so he was just, he was disappointed, um, broke my dad's heart. Uh, mm-hmm. He really um, had invested a lot of um, you know, time and, and resources in, in, in wanting me to become a, a doctor. But um, he really, I don't know how much time we have on this particular question, but just, just a quick story. I remember when he finally relented and we went, we were on our way driving up to, uh, to school. Uh, and he related this story. He said, you know what, John, when I was your age, I actually was going to go to theology school to become a pastor, but I had an opportunity to come to the States and, and find a better life for my family, so I left that. And um, and he said that when we were trying to have a, a son, because my mother had experienced two miscarriages, mm-hmm. he said we prayed that if we were to have a son, we would dedicate him to the Lord. And he had never told me this before. So he said, you know, John, when... When you said that you wanted to go into pastoral ministry, it hit me that God was trying to finish what he started in me, in you. Wow. And so then we started to cry. You know how it goes. And two grown <laughs> men crying in a car. But I knew then that God had had a, 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 his hand in my life from the very beginning, um, guiding me. And of course, like I had to choose to do it. But um, there was just a lot of affirmation uh, just from that story and from how God has worked in my life. So Wow. Wow. So you went to Southern, um, got your undergraduate, went to Andrews, got your, your Master's of Divinity, um, and you come back to Tennessee, and what, what, what was your first pastoral position like? What, what were you tasked with? Sure. Um, so the way that our, our conference, or the way that our ministry context works, that we work for conferences, and it's sort of like the military, where you kind of go where they tell you. <laughs> you know about this. So... Um, leading up to my graduation from Andrews, um, the ministerial director at that time uh, had assigned me a three-church district west of Nashville. 
And then like several weeks before I graduated from, from seminary, I get another call saying, hey, um, would you, what do you think about planting a church? And I was like, I've never done it before, but I'm, I'm open to it. So um, the president uh, assigned me to the National First at Seventh-day Adventist Church as an associate, working with Pastor Nel- Melvin Santos and, and working towards planting a new church in the greater Nashville area. Hmm. Wow. So what are, what are the steps to planting a church? What does that look like? Sure. Um, if you had asked me four years ago and I came in, I, ha- I would have told you I have no idea. <laughs> uh, like I said, I've never planted a church before. Um, I had worked with a church plant before, but it never, I, ne- I didn't stay with it too long. So um, just from an amateur church planter who, by God's grace, was able to plant the church. It really, it really starts with, with prayer and the Holy Spirit. I knew people were praying for this church plant way before I came on board. Uh, from the conference, from the community, uh, people were praying for a church. And God maneuvered the pieces. Um, I, I don't really consider myself a major part of this church planting process, just someone that helped uh, guide this process along. Um, so aside from prayer and the Holy Spirit, there definitely has to be a vision and a mission. Um, church planting isn't about planting uh, just a church in an area to have worship services. We have to be really intentional about planting people mm-hmm. um, because the church is not a building. It's not a worship service. It's it's people. Mm-hmm. And a church is supposed to be people reaching people for mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. And so it has to start off with a vision and a mission and with the right intention. So, you know, a lot of churches are planted because of disagreements or because of, you know, different worship styles. But we wanted to make sure that we planted this church with the right reasons, and that's to uh, spread the gospel in the greater Nashville area. So um, prayer, Holy Spirit's guidance, um, mission and vision. Um, and you have to, and you have to make sure that there's a process of discipleship in place uh, where you have leaders that are making leaders. Mm-hmm. And you also have to have an, uh, a mindset that you're trying to reach people that don't exactly look like you, worship like you. So there has to be a missional spirit. So again, like a lot of times we like to focus on us, but really the church is for the purpose of mission. So mm-hmm. um, so if I were to just break that down further, it's uh, prayer, Holy Spirit's leading, mission, vision, um, deci- uh, discipleship process, and with uh, an orientation to reach others that are not like you. So tell me about the process as you started this uh, discipling the people coming up with your vision and mission and, and praying and, and moving into uh, planting this church, what kind of stories do you have to share? What, what kind of experiences did you encounter as you went about that process? Okay. So church planting probably has to have been the, the hardest, hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also been the most rewarding. Hmm. Uh, when we first started the church planting process, the way that my senior pastor at that time uh, worked, we worked together and, you know, we preached the sermon series about, uh, reaching out and, and conquering new territory for Jesus. And so we made appeals and we had a, a core team, about 25 members from Nashville first. Um, and so we were all excited. We were, we were ready to go. And over the course of several months and a year when we started to meet regularly in the Mount Julie area where we were convicted to plant, uh, we went from 25, 25 core members and a leadership of 10 to about four. Mercy. Four people total. <laughs> oh, wow. And so we were, we were discouraged. We wanted to quit. 
And I gotta tell you, like this whole church planting journey was just laced with tears and prayer. Oh. Uh, I remember telling God on my knees, uh, some nice God, like, I don't know why this is, has come to this. I thought we were doing right. What, what are we doing wrong? Um, and I wanted to quit and several of my leaders wanted to quit. Um, but there's something, and I, I say it's the Holy Spirit that just kept prompting us, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And over the course of several months, we, we prayed um, intentionally every single morning um, on a prayer call, um, six o'clock in the morning. And wow. we prayed, God, <laughs> if, this is, if this is from you, then you are going to bring the leaders, you are going to bring the people, you're going to provide the resources. Um, so long story short, over the course of several months, God not only replenished our leaders, but now there are about 25 to 30 people that are currently worshiping in the Mount wow. Julia Church plant. Um, wow. And I believe that, that that painful process of God stripping people away, whether they, they just weren't down with the church plant or they weren't comfortable or they, they moved on to other areas of ministry, um, just served to show us that no matter how many church planting seminars I went to, no matter how many <laughs> books that I had, uh, all the theological training that I had, it really depends on God and mm. His Holy Spirit. And I can just say that although this has been a difficult journey, it probably has been the most rewarding because I've learned and my leaders have learned to trust God. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, that's, and, and I feel like God does that a lot. He kind of takes us through the fire, out of our comfort zone, yep. to, to teach us how to how to how to trust him. Oh yeah. <laughs> so speaking of, of fire and out of comfort zones, you're no longer at Mount Juliet. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, so tell us about your transition into Kentucky. Well, if I'm going to be honest, it definitely came to me as a surprise for sure. Um, I had not anticipated getting moved uh, so so early. Um, and the thing is, as pastors, uh, we we understand that we're not going to stay in one area forever. So mm-hmm. that we, we kind of live with this tension of, okay, we're, we may be here for a while and we may not. So, um, But it was a surprise and um, it definitely was, uh, it was sad for me because, uh, especially with Mount Julia, because I was there from, from concept to actual mm-hmm. concrete reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that wants to see things through until uh, the end. Um, it's, it became a company, uh, with, and praise God. And what that basically means is that it's own, it's, it's its own entity on its way to becoming an official church. Wow. And I really wanted to see that through a couple more years, and it'll be an established church in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Um, so it was sad because not only did um, am I, was I leaving the church that I love, I'm also leaving a lot of... Uh, friends and and colleagues that I had made over the the years. Of course, I'm leaving Nashville first was also hard because I've I've grown. That was my first church that I officially pastored and made a lot of good friends. And um, so yeah, is I think that community that I made was difficult because moving into uh, n- not just another state but another ministry context because I I uh, started pastoring in the metro area, which was obviously Nashville and Mount Juliet, and moving into a little bit of a smaller smaller town feel with three churches with three different personalities three different board meetings different three <laughs> types of different ministry contexts um and and it was it was hard it was hard to say goodbye uh because when you've gone through the fire with uh with people like i did with the leaders that remained with mount julia it's just it's really hard to to let go um but i had to remind myself that 
this is this is God's church, and I was only part of the process, and He needed me to move on and mm-hmm. to embrace other challenges. Because the thing about pastoral ministry that I've learned is that it's not necessarily the things that I do; it's what God can do through me to shape me. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it wasn't the I wasn't happy about it, but at the same time, um, I realized that. Um, this this is probably where I need to be. And this mm-hmm. is where I need to be for God to uh, use me and whatever talents he's given me, but also to work on my, my own my own spirituality. So, mm. yeah, it's, been, it's definitely been an interesting transition. <laughs> so in the last 30 seconds or so, um, what would you tell, maybe, maybe some of our listeners, they aren't pastors or church planters, but yeah, maybe there's no church close to their home and they want, or, or maybe it is, but they want to reach people in their community and they want to, um, to, to try to reach out to their neighbors. What, what would you suggest or, or what would be something you could tell them? I would just suggest again, pray, uh, pray to God for opportunities to connect with people uh, we often, uh, I know this is 30 seconds, but so I'm going to make this really quickly. We often <laughs> think that ministry has to happen within the four walls of a church, but that's, that's, far, that's far from the truth. Uh, mm. God can use us anywhere and everywhere. And so wherever, whatever hobbies you like to do, um, if you like to go running, if you like to uh, play basketball or whatever, you can, you can ask God to give you these opportunities to connect with people that may be searching. Um, and there's also resources online where you can connect with churches online um, but definitely pray and, and ask God for those opportunities and for those areas where you can uh, be best used. Such an incredible story and some really great practical tips for how you can share the gospel in your neighborhood, to your friends, to your family. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you, John, for being on the show and uh, being willing to share your story. Um, Well, that does it. That's it for season two. We're going to take a couple months off probably, um, and uh, we will launch season three with even more great interviews, incredible stories. Um, And uh, if there's something you would like us to include or somebody you would like us to interview next season, um, go ahead and contact us. You can contact us on our our, uh, website, faithandhoperadio.com, or on Facebook at Faith and Hope Radio. Um, subscribe to us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Um, give us a five-star rating, wonderful review, but make sure you're subscribed so you know exactly when we launch Season 3. It'll probably be late summer, early fall. We will launch that. Um, our music was provided, as always, by Dexter Britton under the Creative Commons license. So, have a wonderful summer. God bless you. And until we meet again, have faith and hope.